This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Beware the Redwood Bureau, a secret organization which captures and researches creatures and objects that defy explanation. Their reckless procedures have led to countless innocent lives lost. I am Agent Conroy. I worked for the Redwood Bureau, but I have escaped them to leak their reports to the unsuspecting public. You have the right to know. Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 0451. Scary. Scary. report verified for one initiated. When you live your life in service of the Bureau, vacations take on an air of legend. They're rare, should they happen at all. What with the threat of the unknown simply aching to overtake your attention at a moment's notice. Typically hand-waved away as a part of the job, you gain a new appreciation for something others can far too easily take for granted. Should you be lucky enough to not only have upcoming time off, but also with disposable income and lured by the sweet siren song of the sea, beware Phenomenon 0451, codenamed Scary. Especially aggravated by the conceit of the cruise industry, these waterborne predators prey upon unsuspecting passengers to be captured and thrown in ritual sacrifice down the throat of a being known only as the Great One. Threat level? lethal to disastrous. With these abductions tending to take place after the sun fell as not to disrupt the feeding cycle, 22-year-old Daniel Winters was about to stress the limits of his insomnia. The report shows that he was dragged out to the Great Blue with seasoned cruise veteran friend Desmond 
But the Bureau seemed to have other plans for Danny Boy that evening. No matter how far away you think you can get from those hounding, intrusive thoughts, no matter the cost to yourself or the people around you, your worries will always be just a few steps behind. And there are forces in this world who will take advantage of that if given the chance, which Redwood can't even clamp down on fully. Always hidden in the background. Always watching. Always waiting. Wheezed, hanging onto the rail. The sun a mere sliver on the horizon. I should have stayed on land, but shore is where I belong. It's fine. Desmond assured me with a smack to the shoulder. It's weird at night. If you don't look over the side, it's just like land. The side is all around us. The sun was all but a shimmering line across the blackening surface of the water. The ability to discern anything outside the surface of the boat faded rapidly. The broad wave slapping against the ship's hull. Jesus, I moaned, a white-knuckle grip on the bar. What about all the bullshit under us? Floating city, my guy. He reminded me, his hand holding my shoulder. Floating city, we're good. It's not going anywhere. I went quiet. But he must have felt my heart pound with my anxiety through my back. Dan, why don't you go below deck and sleep it off? Tomorrow will be better. I... I stammered, trying to find the words, but all I could do was nod and stumble towards the stairs going down. I'll be at the bar in the pool. I saw some dories that need finding, he said with a wink. I wobbled down the stairs below deck. The halls lined with neat little doors with numbers centered on them, like a turbulent hotel. I fumbled the keycard and flung myself from my seasick legs to the feathery bed that filled most of the small cabin, just like at home. The abyss of the night pressing against the window twisted my nerves. Even with the knowledge of almost nothing being able to reach my porthole to the world, my mind frolicked with visions of twisted faces and broken bodies trying to gain entry. As at home, drawing the curtains over the window afforded me absolute immunity from those supposed creatures. The closeness of the wall settled my mind. It was just a little apartment. No vast water, no stomach-churning darkness separated by a window and a thin layer of fabric. The moment of comfort brought my senses back to normal, and I was absolutely famished. Good evening, Cabin 229. What can we bring you? The room service operator asked. Could you bring me up the filet and a baked potato? Absolutely, sir. We'll have it up as soon as we can, probably in about 20 minutes. I scrolled through the short videos on my phone whilst I waited. My stomach grumbled in a firm chorus of boos at each clip. Did you touch the butt, Nemo? I texted Desi. Working on it. You should come up. Winky face. He replied after a few more videos passed. Room service is coming up. I think morning will be better day, though. Three hearty knocks on my cabin door, followed by... I have a filet and a baked potato looking for a place to stay. I tossed my phone and hurriedly ushered the cart of food into my room, profusely thanking the busboy who brought it up whilst closing the door. I ate my steak, facing towards the door, my phone playing from my pillows. The meal was delightful, but as I ate, an odd noise leaked into the cabin. It was like something wet, flapping against my window. I told myself it was just my upstairs neighbor's towel hanging from that balcony. The steak was so good that it almost took my mind away from the noise. Almost. 
The sound rode in the lulls between bites, in the silence without chewing, and it ate at me like I was the plate. I slowly and quietly sat my fork on the plate and inched over towards the window. White smudges clouded the window. I tried to rub them off, thinking it was from me or the cleaning service that forgot a spot. No amount of scrubbing with a rag would remove it. It was on the outside. I waited for the towel I hoped was beating against my window to do so again. Seconds turned into awkward minutes with no culprit showing itself. Slow deep breaths, I whispered to my anxiety before sucking in a chest full of air. I closed my eyes and slowly exhaled. Then, clumsily, closed the curtains before opening them again. I needed a distraction. The ship's movie channels would be white noise. I turned on a cheap family movie and let the chatter drown out everything else. The sandlot shenanigans of the little rascals settled my brain. If the noise had returned, I was blissfully unaware. Sleep came easy, but waking up came easy too. A mechanical type of screeching tore through my cabin, leaving a ringing in my ears. My feet hit the floor and I dashed to the door, but the hallway was empty. No warning lights, alarms, or panicked bystanders. Was the window really dirty on the outside? Did I imagine it? My brain went right back to it. I shook my head like an Etch-a-Sketch reset would fix my obsessive brain. I went back and forth with myself over it. Of course, stress could have made me imagine it. Perhaps I had imagined it. The TV was off now, so the possibility of dreaming it was plausible. I pulled the curtains back and the cloudiness was gone. But five distinct rows of gouges on the glass greeted me instead. I grabbed the ship phone and dialed the help desk. Good morning. You sure are an early riser. A chipper young woman called out, a little too giddy and a little too loud for the hour. Hey, uh, I'm in 229 and this really loud noise woke me up, I said, fighting back a yawn. I, I wanted to make sure everything was copacetic with a ship and shed. An awkward silence ensued, one that lasted long enough that I had to break it myself. Are you still there? Oh, she said, most of the chipper, now artificial. There was a small mechanical issue, but I'd be surprised if you heard that. It was all the way on the other end of the ship. It looks like something clawed my window, I said flatly. She choked on her words. That sounds like a hazard. Would you like for me to send maintenance down now or later? Please be aware of- It's on the outside of the window. Oh! She barked with a crack in her voice. She didn't want to break the script. The struggle to keep her calm front desk facade slowly crumbling in her silence. A frustrated groan broke the silence. Sir, are you still on the line? She asked, her customer service voice missing at first, but slowly returning with each word. I am. I think maintenance can come take a look at this whilst not trying to sleep. I wanted to make sure everything was in ship shape. She cringed so hard I could hear it. How the day you deserve, sir. I had a good laugh to myself before I wandered back to the window. This time, in the few steps between my bed and the window, I stepped in a wet spot. After getting rid of my wet socks, I noticed a trail of the wet spots traversing the area, and a small wet spot under the power button for the TV. I figured I'd add that to the list and get transferred to another cabin later. I lifted the curtain and stared out into the void again, this time far below. I could see glowing little orbs down in the water. I replaced the curtain and turned the TV back on. I was back to sleep in no time. Alas, within what felt like mere moments of shut-eye, we were interrupted by a thud at the window. 
like a child with a tree branch tapping on the window. I ignored it and kept my eyes closed. A wet pitter-patter neared my bed, and the TV went silent. The pitter-patter started away from the bed, and I shut up. The window ajar and a green blur exiting out of it. The only evidence I had was the wet floor and the heavy smell of old fish. I slammed the window shut. When I went to latch it, there was no lock. There was just something in my room. I yelled into the phone as soon as the front desk picked up. I don't know what it was, but my room is wet and it reeks of dead fish. Is that you, 229? The confused, yet still chipper girl asked. Her chill demeanor made me stumble on my words this time. Yeah, sorry. Me again. I need a new room. This room doesn't feel safe. I'm sending security down to you. You should vacate whilst we investigate. I found myself down a few stairs and across the ship to a dimly lit orange pub. Its lack of windows insulated me from the darkness. I sent a message to Desmond about what had happened and ordered a drink from the laminated menu stuck to the bar top. Is it early or late? The middle-aged bartender asked me as he handed me my drink. I slammed the old-fashioned hard enough that the bowl of ice hit my teeth. I don't even know, I shrugged. Something was breaking in my cabin. The window was open. It's been nuts. The bartender gave me a side eye. I didn't know our windows could open. Did you let the front desk know? Yeah, she suggested I vacate and wait for security to clear it. Did you walk in on someone in your room? He asked, genuinely curious. I woke up and this short thing dove out of the window. It turned off my TV and left my carpet soggy and reeked of fish. I heard this, like, slapping sound on my window before I went to sleep. I started staring into my empty glass. I guess ignoring that was a bad decision. <laughs> I guess so. Would you like for me to call and see if you have the all clear? No, I think I'll just wander for now. I don't think I can stomach the idea of being back in there right now. I said before standing up and sitting a tip on the bar top. Have a good night. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. 
Get 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. Signal connection restored. I found myself back on deck and got the idea to try and see my room from the railing. The closer I came to the rail, the more my stomach lurched. I leaned over the edge, white knuckle grip on the bar, trying to get a view of my room, to figure out how someone got in that way. I fought the urge to puke and looked for the window with the scratches. Sure enough, the section where my cabin was had no balconies, only round porthole-style windows. The awkward angle, combined with the light I'd left on in my room, made the gouges in the glass pop in comparison to the rest of the windows. I tried to see any evidence of entry around the window, but it was too dark. Then, I accidentally looked down. The dizzying several stories from the deck to the waves was amplified a thousandfold by the thick darkness. The sea stared back with thousands of orbs that dimly glowed a sickly yellow. I stumbled back then, immediately forced myself back to the rail, the tiny orbs no longer punctuating the darkness. Nearby, one of the ship's stewards was taking a break, but seemed concerned with my well-being. I ran over to him, pointing out over the rail. Did you see the lights in the water? Sir? A concerned boy questioned from the side of his eye. I was looking over the edge and there was like a hundred yellow lights over the edge. I explained as calmly as I could. Bioluminescent sea jellies? He suggested, stepping into his customer service voice. Do pairs of jellies stay the same distance apart over hundreds of pairs? I asked incredulously. The young man stammered before mumbling. I don't know. I guess I haven't heard of that before. They look like goddamn eyes, said flatly. I can't say I've seen something like that at sea, sir, he said, the customer service voice poking back through the gaps in his words. Then he got a mischievous little grin. Sir, have you been drinking? Let me get you back to your room. Listen here, you little shit, I grumbled. I had one single- Calm down, sir. I saw you throw up over the side. It seems like more than one to me. Let's get you back to 229. Did I mention my room number? I couldn't recall meeting him before. I went to take a step back and stumbled onto my ass in the middle of the walkway. The young man reached down to me and winked. Let's get you back somewhere safe, and we'll keep this between friends, yeah? I grabbed his hand and the dizziness hit me. I wobbled up to my feet as he guided me back to my room. We traveled in silence, but upon reaching the room, I noticed a metal emblem on the door that I didn't remember. What's that weird tree badge? I asked, pointing at my door. You don't recognize the logo? He asked, concerned. Some of the doors are marked with it. The upgraded suites, I think. Oh, right. I guess a little brain fog rolled in, said with a laugh. That logo was definitely not on my door when I arrived, or when I left. Something had to be afoot. I had to try to get something else out of him. Have we met before? How did you know where to take me? I asked from the open cabin door. His eyes were wide for less than a moment. Then he laughed a little too loud. I helped your friend board the ship. I thought that was a little red-headed girl. I shrugged, the urge to sleep derailing my investigation. Sea legs and exhaustion urged me to close out the interrogation and go back to my room. I bit him adieu and locked the cabin door. My room smelled like cheap ocean breeze air freshener. The carpet was dry and the curtain was pulled. I couldn't shake the thought of the bartender being surprised that the window opened. I pulled back the curtain and an undamaged, round window was before me. I pried at the window with my fingers, but the rounded edges and trim were less than forgiving for gripping. 
Satisfied that the room was secured and maintained, I melted into a soft bed and blankets. Dark and silent with the TV, consciousness drifted off again. Thump. My eyes were open and staring towards the cabin door. Two more thumps came from behind me. I reached over and turned the light on on the nightstand. The sudden flash of light set it off, like too many hands beating the same drum. A series of whomps against the window shook my person. I quickly rolled over. The curtain was still over the window, and it was certainly not ajar. I stepped out of bed cautiously and crept towards the window as quietly as I could. After traversing the handful of steps I needed, I took a single breath and ripped the curtain aside. Oh shit! I shouted, stumbling backwards and landing against the bed. Three pairs of yellow eyes, set widely on three vaguely humanoid heads, shone back at me through the window. I scrambled around the bed and grabbed the cabin phone from its receiver. I sheltered from the other side of the bed, keeping my eyes on the three creatures staring as it rang. Good morning. How may we help you this beautiful morning? A young man said entirely too cheerfully for this hour. Listen, send security fast. The things that broke into- Is that you, 227? The boy asked incredulously. I put you back. I thought you'd be asleep right now. Are there some magic- Listen here, you little shit. There's three scaly heads staring right into my cabin with yellow eyes and I really- Sir, there's nothing to worry about. You're just stressed. The report from security says the reported damage and malfunction window were not present when they arrived on the scene. I'm looking at them right now. I barked. The sound of my voice intrigued them. One of them started smacking at the window with a fin-like hand. It squished loudly each time, water vacating suckers that lined the underside of its fingers. The boy groaned. Sir, this is above my pay grade, but if you don't want to end up in the brig, I really need you to chill out. And I really need someone here to come and see that I'm not crazy. Just send security. They can lock me up if need be. Fine. He snapped with the intensity of a snotty high school student his single word punctuated by the dial tone. I looked for something I could defend myself with. The TV remote was too light, the nightstand Bible too floppy. The lamp looked promising. I tried to lift it off the nightstand, but it was bolted in place. I kept glancing back at the window. The trio stared at me, picking at the edge of the window with the small yellow claws that punctuated the ends of their fingers. The W-shaped, slightly pearlescent pupils that were entrancing to observe. I found myself lost in my thoughts, my gaze locked with one of theirs. A crack worked its way across the bottom half of the glass and stirred my attention. They stopped watching me, and pried and hit at the window in a panic. I grabbed my phone and took a picture. The delay felt like an eternity, but they showed up on the screen. I wasn't going to the brig. I wasn't crazy. A chunk of the cracked glass shattered and fell into the room. One of the scaly arms came through and felt around for a mechanism to open it. I tried to escape through the cabin door, but the door opened just enough for a sliver of light to come through from the hall, and snapped back to the gem. The glass kept falling to the ground, shard by shard, and I slammed my body weight against the door. This time the bowing out came with a groan. I managed to hold the crack open just a few extra moments, long enough to see a khaki-wearing young man leaning to the door with his foot against the base of it. Let me out, you little sonogram! I yelled through the door. Shit! I heard him scold himself. You can't lock me in here to die! I yelled again, knowing he could hear me. Sir, if you don't fight, they'll make it fast. He replied softly through the door, his muffled voice uneasy and filled with regret. But the fact of the matter is, they've been waiting for far too long. And the Great One must be quelled. Just lay down and take it! 
I asked through the deceptively sturdy door. Except fate, he said matter-of-factly. It's a ship. There's nowhere, no one to run to. If you jump overboard, well, there's no escaping them out there. I kept slamming into the door as the squat little creatures lumbered towards me, only the king-sized mattress separating us. Why me? Why not anybody else? There's no one else on board other than the Redwood staff. Bullshit, I saw- No one on that ship anymore. It's nothing personal. You were just randomly selected from the customer pool. The three traversed the mattress with the caution of men encroaching an unpredictable beast. Their flippers squished on the carpet as they fanned out, cutting off a clear way around their hunting group. They banged on the door as panic set in. Come on, let me out! I shouted. They'll come looking for me! Sir, the paperwork already shows you exited the ship at the scheduled stop. It'll look like you vanished in town, not at sea. I took a couple of steps towards the creatures, then threw my body weight into the door. It bowed in the frame, then the panel cracked outwards. Then I felt something wet and cold wrap around each of my ankles. I tried to kick them away, but the serrated suckers on their scaly digits dug into my flesh, their nails hooking in before they jerked my legs out from under me. They dragged me across the short, rough carpet, kicking and screaming. I grabbed a hold of the bed frame. I managed to deck the third one, but only caught a swift kick in the face back. As they jerked me over the mattress, I saw the cabin door cracked. One blue eye and the sign of a camera lens on a phone stared at me, documenting my abduction. My vision was interrupted by a second retaliatory kick to the temple as we drew nearer the open window. The chips of glass still embedded in the frame scraping and cut my bare legs, the sensation dragging me back into awareness. A legion of glowing yellow eyes bobbed in the black water below. One of my captors let a shrill screech out into the dark night air. The second one let out a deeper, barking-like noise. Every pair of eyes in the water vacated large, round area directly front of the window. The lights and the TV shuddered, then completely turned off. I grabbed the window frame with rubbery arms in feeble attempt to pull myself back into the cabin. That familiar, cold, wet flipper kicked at my knuckles. My vision waxed and waned as the silver of the moon let me see the gurgling surface of the water where the things had vacated. A dark mass was rushing towards the surface. At first a dark spot, then dozens, if not hundreds of yellow spots of every size imaginable became more and more apparent. A mass of flesh and rusted seaweed-infested chains erupted from the royal, peppered with glowing yellow eyes of all sizes. Nothing short of a titan. It was as tall as the cruise ship and could surely turn it into a new reef feature with less than a second thought. I thrashed and screamed. I managed to kick my feet free of their grasp and pull myself halfway back into the cabin. The wind was knocked out of me as my stomach caught the balcony railing. The short yet incredibly strong warriors lifted me by the arms, dangling me over the black waters, presenting the bounty of their hunt. They chatted their noises that were neither language nor those of beasts, but the thing in front of us seemed to resonate with it. Cracks ran down the mountain of flesh, shedding a massive anchor back to the sea. Water sprayed as it split farther and farther, revealing gnarled, twisted, and broken teeth. Teeth with no alignment, no plan for their location. Scattered like the tines in the grinder, the body must have bent or twisted 
as I stared down the moor like it was an unlit tunnel on a mountainous stretch of highway. The teeth extended down as far as I could see, like tombstones in a poorly organized cemetery. They flung me into its gullet with virtually no effort. I always thought that kind of fall would give me a heart attack. But the last thing I could sense was the sound of my head slamming into one of the teeth. In the spirit of its namesake, research on 0451 dating as far back as the Reagan administration reveals a certain kind of symbiotic relationship between the Great One and its hunters. In exchange for sheltering a vast school of subaquatic mistakes from a worsening climate, it requires a steady diet of new flesh, coinciding with an increased industry focusing on giving customers nothing but the finest of luxury escapes. Some of the country's biggest liners became the biggest targets. Hunting in trios, and with a tendency to beat their prey senseless after ensnaring it with the hypnotizing gaze of their pearlescent yellow eyes, a guttural screech and bark is all that's needed to summon the hulking mass of pulsating optical nerves and gnashing teeth to break the surface. Often mistaken for bioluminescent sea jellies, their prominent eyes pull double duty as effective camouflage from unsuspecting bystanders. One can only imagine the hell that awaits if it's kept from its food. Due to its sheer size, Redwood has struggled to effectively herd the scary into appropriate restraints built to conduct its research, and as a result, has resorted to strict damage control. The initial research team assigned to 0451 has flushed out into its own department, built around maintaining the Great One's feeding schedule while ensuring minimum loss of human life. Their solution to this seems to have been to build a decoy ship of sorts, staffed with agents that were meant to shepherd an unsuspecting flock to the slaughter. Proceeding to randomly select passengers from pre-established and geographically relevant rosters of voyages via a proprietary algorithm to ensure minimum viable bias, victims were to be drugged and transferred to the feed ship and pull the phenomenon's attention away from the otherwise facile public. Regarding its unique balance of lethality and banality, working the feed ship became known as a rite of passage among new recruits. Along with that bit of mythology also came something of an open secret. Do everything you can to spend as little time in the department as possible if you want to keep your sanity. See, as time continued its never-ending march forward, the department heads became more and more reclusive. Reports were starting to be written completely in indecipherable symbols. Crude oil began to bleed from the air vents at random intervals of the day, and those who were called in for performance reviews always left with a pallid, yellow sheen in their eyes, lulled into the complacency of these soft eugenics. The more you find yourself caught in their orbit of influence, the harder it is to break free from it, which always manages to return to this seemingly endless chant to sate the appetite of these otherworldly beasts. Days turn to weeks. Weeks turn to months of culling people picked from the same unholy algorithm to be sent to an early grave. Almost as if by mere exposure, 0451 were hypnotizing the staff equally as much as the prey they provided. A somber reminder that sometimes the vilest evils are the ones we get desensitized to the most on a regular basis, which is why it's so important to take time off when it's available. It's time to reset and rebuild your priorities, should one feel the need. Just beware, 
that the longer a time spent indulging in a state of mindless bliss, the easier a target you become for the incomprehensible ills that always follow and are always lurking just beneath the surface. RPP Report 05 for one deactivated. I'm Josh Tomar, host of Redwood Bureau. Thank you for listening. Redwood Bureau is a horror fiction podcast and part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. For more dreadful terrors, follow Redwood Bureau on Spotify and iTunes, and check out our other podcasts like Unexplained Encounters and Freaky Folklore on your favorite podcast platform. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch under username Tomamoto, T-O-M-A-M-O-T-O, and my voiceover is featured in a wide variety of your favorite video games, anime, and other animated shows. Until next time, don't forget, this world is a strange one. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.